Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. As always, uh, DMs are open. Got a question for us, topic you want us to hit. Put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Going to open the show uh, talking about rape culture and consent culture and assault because this is sexual assault awareness month so i definitely want to hit upon it because it's something that touches all of us but bigger than that all of us are part of either maintaining the systems that lead to the high number of sexual assaults or we are all actively working on dismantling and eliminating them it really is that simple uh we are part of the solution or we're part of the problem and it's something that impacts all of us we all want to create a world where everyone feels safe and nine, I think the stats are like 93 to 90% of sexual assaults are um, at the hands of a male done to a female. So that is the position uh, that I will be taking in tonight's show. It is not to say that men are not sexually assaulted by females or other men. They are. That is 7% or less. Maybe it's a higher number because of people not feeling confident reporting. I don't know. But we're going to go with the uh, 93 to 97, so we're going to look at it as a male issue. Why? Because if men are the ones that are doing the sexual assaulting, then it is a male issue. <laughs> it is not a female issue. The victim is not responsible for creating the shifts and changes um, in, a, in, in an oppressive and violent system. So we're going to be talking about that tonight, and there's something for everyone to learn in this. So don't think that if this is outside the scope of um, what's going on in your life that you can't get something beneficial from tonight's show because we're going to be talking about things that everyone needs to know, you know, consent, enthusiasm, boundaries, gender roles, all sorts of stuff. Um, so it's going to be a little bit of a heavy topic. Uh, you know, I'll try to bring some levity to it. It's so, you know, it's okay for us to find some lightness in these more difficult topics. In fact, it's often what helps us really kind of stay in it, but I do want to take it seriously and, you know, have an honest look at it. So where to begin, where to begin, where to begin, where to begin, let's begin at the very beginning. Um, children, that's where all of these norms are planted. Children are like little gardens. And we want to be thoughtful about the seeds that we are planting in those little gardens because they are going to bloom into adults. Adults that are either, again, strengthening these problematic systems and ideals and norms or eliminating them, changing them, improving upon them. We need change. Change needs to come. So let's start with children. What are we teaching our children? Even if you don't have children, you might be a teacher, a, a uncle, you might be a, a mentor, you might be um, a coach, you might be a neighbor, uh, you might be a television producer, a writer. You, you get to where, whatever you're doing, whatever you're putting out in the world, however you're moving through the world, you are part of that system. And we really want to teach children a lot of different things. <laughs> 
but let's just talk about body autonomy and saying no, because some of what allows sexual assault to happen is people not feeling confident um, or understanding what violations even look like. This is not a completely sexual topic, even though assault and sexual assault, because it's Sexual Assault Awareness Month, so it's the sexual-based assaults. But all of this really is about things that are non-sexual. First off is just let's talk about body autonomy and boundaries. You know, teaching children that they have a right to say no to certain forms of touch. Um, and it's it was a strange topic that was in the news uh, because of the way... I don't really want to get into the news um, or pop culture element of it, but it was a topic that popped up on the screen for a few seconds because someone well-known was talking about the fact that they've really trained their child to uh, require being asked whether or not they want to be touched. And the reason why it made news is because even at a very young age, this parent was training their children to even say to the doctors, and the parent was saying to the doctors as well, I need you to ask my child if it's okay for you to touch them because I'm teaching my child to have boundaries and body autonomy and being able to say no and have, you know, again, control around their body. And some people are like, yeah, but a child saying that to a doctor, that's disrespectful, but it's like, well, it depends. If you want your child to f totally feel in control of their body, well, then you don't want to let them believe that there are exceptions because that dismantles the whole thing. It's like you get to decide who touches you, except for this list of people. Grandma can touch you and hug you if she wants. Doctors are allowed to touch you. And it's like that might actually be bad and misinformation. Why? I'm going after no one in saying this, but I have clients that have been sexually assaulted by their physicians, by their family members. In fact... In fact, when we're talking about assaults in general, but specifically sexual assaults, the stats show us that it comes from a family member or someone you know. We don't need to be worrying about that random stranger, that dark alley, because again, assaults, specifically sexual assaults, most of the time, I think 75 to 80% of the time is the stat, they happen with someone the victim knew often a family member. So it is actually more important that children are taught that even a family member has to ask if they can touch them, that they don't have to give hugs if they're not comfortable giving hugs, that it is a request, can I hug you? And the child has right to say no. And you can present other options as to how they can say hello to people. Um, but that's where it all begins. So we're gonna take a little break and we'll come back and we'll keep talking about this because this is a very important topic and I wanna share a little anecdote with you that I shared on the show a very long time ago. Uh, yeah, so uh, don't go anywhere, y'all. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. So check it out. DMs, drop us a question, but otherwise stick around. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right we're back excuse me before the break talking about how uh dismantling rape culture and raising our uh children to to really understand consent and boundaries and violations and and all of the important stuff, we have to start young. Now we will talk about how to deal with the adults in our lives, but I really wanted to just focus on the child piece first and kind of say, share a little bit of an anecdote with you because the point I was making is that <clears throat> we want people from birth to understand that they get to decide how they're touched and who touches them. And that's an important part of this because some people are raised in families where they aren't ever able to set a boundary or to say no, because they'll, they'll, they'll be told things like, well, that's grandma, you know, you know, and they force hugs and things like that. Or they're never told that they're allowed to close their door, have privacy. And so these are unfamiliar things. And when boundarylessness is normalized, well, then it's not surprising that an adult doesn't really understand when a violation is occurring and isn't able to really set those boundaries and take care of themselves. Um, I do work with a lot of adults that are practicing in their 30s, 40s, and 50s and beyond what it means to tell someone no, what it is to disappoint someone, what it is to say, I don't like being touched like that. Yes, I will still see adults. I I'll see it out in the world. I was at, a I was at an event, I think it was like two weeks ago. Um, and trust me, I'm not out there, you know, bopping around. I I'm still aware that we're in, you know, that COVID's still out there and I'm not trying to get it another time. Believe me believe me. Um, but I was at something, it was outdoors, ma mass, it was a whole whatever. I don't even know why I'm defending my presence there, but nonetheless, there I was. And I was watching someone get touched uncomfortably. There was a woman and she was talking to her friend and I don't know who this third party was. It was a male and he kept like flirting and touching. And I could tell that she was uncomfortable, but didn't know how to tell him no, because it wasn't something that she had practiced or was familiar. Either she didn't feel like she could without being quote unquote rude. I don't know what her story was, but that's part of it. We're not familiar. We're not comfortable. We don't know how to manage it. We don't want to be rude. These are things that we want to learn in our youth. So a story I wanted to share is I remember I was um, going into a, a production meeting many, many years ago, and one of the producers had their young child there, probably about four or five. 
And I go barreling in and I'm like, oh my God, adorable. How are you? And I'm aware of boundaries. So I didn't like scoop the kid up or hug them because I'm not going to force myself on a child. But before I even got close enough, it was the most beautiful example of what I'm talking about. The mom not caring about rudeness and etiquette because that's often part of rape culture is this idea that I can't, I can't make things socially awkward. I can't take care of myself. That making everyone comfortable is more important than my comfort. No, the mom was like, forget that. We're, we're living in the real world. And the mom in front of me says to her daughter, if you want to give him a hug, hello, you can. But if you don't, that's okay as well. You could shake his hand or maybe you don't want to do anything, but you get to decide. And I thought that was stunning. That was beautiful. That's what it looks like because I'm the adult. It's okay to make me uncomfortable in service of you taking care of yourself. In fact, let's normalize that so much that it isn't uncomfortable because we're all familiar with those moments. And maybe we even say it, hi, are you open to hugging or do you give handshakes or do you just wave? And the little girl waved and I just waved back and it was fine. I loved that because the mom was like, it's not about etiquette and rudeness. It's about comfort and boundaries. And I think that that is awesome. And she's teaching her child from a young age that she gets to decide who, how, where, and when she is touched. That is awesome. We got to start there. And that is not familiar to a lot of people, some older generations to tell grandma, ask before you hug. Telling the doctor, you need to let my child know where you're going to touch them and get their permission because I'm training them that there is no exception. There are literally no exceptions. And that healthcare will sometimes evolve being touched or being unclothed, but the child is made aware and the child gets to determine how and when that happens. The child is part of that collaborative process so that they're not feeling as though they don't have body autonomy. It all begins in our childhood because remember, we're all raised in different families, sex positive families where sexuality is discussed as a healthy, normal thing, nothing to be afraid of, or sex negative where we treat it as though it's bad, it's disgusting, or sexually anxious where we'll acknowledge it, but we use the wrong words and we're anxious. We want to be more sex positive where we can talk about things, things are open. This is part of that. Then we move into the next piece, which is these stupid, stupid, stupid gender norms. We are so obsessed with raising girls as girls and boys as boys and this color's for boys and that color's for girls and that toy. That is all made up. This is, it's plastic. It's colors. That's not even real. And over a hundred years ago, boys were wearing red and pink because it was, that was considered masculine. Girls wore blue. Red and pink was seen as more regal and given to boys. So I laugh when someone's like, oh, my daughter's a real girl. She loves pink. No, she doesn't. You socialized her into that. You put pink in front of her. She became more familiar. We are not genetically driven towards colors because of our anatomy or chromosomes. We like we we've let that ridiculousness go, but some people still believe that that there's a female brain and a male brain. Yes, there are some distinctions, but there's a lot of variation between females and a lot of variation between males, and sometimes more similarity between a male and a female than between two females. These are these are archaic myths that we've moved beyond, and we socialize our children into these norms. So those are not things they are born with; they are social creations, and they're different culture by culture and time period by time time period, which shows us how socially constructed they are. But we treat them as these real things that are important but what happens with these gender norms is we are training people away from truth and authenticity it should really be play with whatever toy you like wear whatever colors and clothing you enjoy because it isn't that deep and what matters more is being a good person etc etc and that's in there as well let your child be themselves stop trying to create them into being the perfect male or female because what comes with that is a host of toxic norms and ideals oh well you're a female so you're not allowed to like sex and you have to always try to fend it off oh you're a male you need to be aggressive and assertive and go after it etc 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 really problematic 
And we're trying to get away from that with female sexual empowerment, where we're like, ask guy, ask a man out. You know, men, you're allowed to be passive. Men are allowed to be bottoms. Not all men are tops. You know, it's not a gay thing. It's just a human thing. Um, all right. Coming up next, we're going to talk about some more gendered stuff because that's definitely woven into it. Um, there's a reason why it's one gender doing all the assaulting. And it is not because of some evolutionary thing that we like to rely upon as a defense against really doing the important work. That is not a genetic thing. Men are not naturally hunters. It really depends on what we're talking about. And we're going to try to resolve this. So stick around. More to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we are back. And, uh... Talking about rape culture, because it is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and we're really looking at what are the causes that helps us understand what the solutions are. We were first just talking about how we got to start young with our children, planting little seeds in them that help them understand um, boundaries and consent, and that you don't have to just accept or take touch from someone if that is not what you want. You're allowed to say no. You're allowed to make things awkward in service of you protecting yourself. You're allowed to tell adults and professionals no, which is something I was raised to think we couldn't, that we had this weird weird hierarchy that like, well, they're an adult, have respect for them because they're an adult. No, we're not doing that anymore. Have respect for everyone because everyone matters. No one matters more. We have these weird hierarchies. Oh, well, that's a doctor. That That's your parent. That's your teacher. Um, They're all just people. These are arbitrary distinctions. Treat everyone well. In fact, we have a word called adultism, which is the misuse and abuse of children at the hands of adults because adults often don't think that children have a right to be cared for, respected. Um, we'll do things to children we never do to adults. We'll spank and hit kids and call them names. We would never do that to another adult. That's a form of adultism, the oppression and uh, prejudice against children, thinking that we can do whatever we want to them. And that's part of this issue around rape culture and sexual assault is we do raise children to believe that adults or people in positions of power that you're not allowed to set boundaries with them. That's problematic. Set boundaries with your teacher. Set boundaries with your boss. Set boundaries with your parents. Children are allowed to set boundaries. They're allowed to have privacy. Yes, parents and caretakers need to help them learn that and need to weigh in on that in a collaborative way, but we need to get rid of these fake hierarchies, the ideas that certain people in positions of power have a right to do what they want, to take advantage or negatively impact people. That is in there, but we're not really talking about that. I want to get back to the gendered piece that we have these gender norms that we are obsessed with trying to police as evidenced by some of these ridiculous bills that are being passed that are anti-trans, anti-gay. Um, you cannot get rid of gay and trans people. They, they, they exist real stuff, whether you like it or not, it's there. Um, you know, where they say mouthful of scripture, but a heart full of hate. We're trying to move beyond that. Everyone is worth and value, but these gender norms get in the way because they raise people with a lot of toxic traits. Well, as a man, you're supposed to, and there's a long list of things, and a lot of those things are quite toxic. We should be working with people on just being authentic. Be yourself, and whether that falls under the rubric of what a man does or what a woman does, it doesn't matter because anything a woman does is a woman's behavior. Anything a man does is a man's behavior. There's no such thing as that guy's acting like a girl. If a guy's doing something, it's male behavior. Just like any kind of sexuality a heterosexual person engages in is therefore heterosexual sexual sex, but we get hung up on policing all these boundaries. Why does that matter? It also matters because we tend to segregate children into different gendered camps. Guys over there, girls over there. Girls play over there, guys play over that way. That is the problem. We are creating a false sense of distinction and difference. There's more similarity. Let children have friends of all different genders. Let all the different genders play together, go to school together, learn together so that they realize 
Number one, there isn't much difference between us other than what we're socialized with. Also, they understand how to interact with each other. I want straight kids to have gay friends. I want cis kids to have trans friends. I want white kids to have black friends and friends of color so that they understand the differences and the similarities, but more importantly, they know how to interact. It's inclusive. It's acceptance-based. We need to stop separating the genders out because, again, it creates this odd mystique of, oh, I just don't understand women. That's right, because you're not familiar and you've been trained to believe that there's this difference, that there is some shadowy figure that's very confusing and complex. Had you been raised always around females and with female friends, you wouldn't think those ways. You wouldn't feel as though you need to chase. You wouldn't feel as though you don't know how to communicate. It would lead to a lot less sexual assaults. That's a huge one. Let them learn to sexualize, socialize, and engage through grade school and high school. I'm not saying they should be sexualizing in grade school, but my point is, is we shouldn't be separating them out. And as they move into high school and they start dating, they, they think that it's this other, this foreign other that they don't understand because it's always the guys on teams playing together, the girls on teams. I'm all about mixing it up. I'm all about getting away from men's sports and female sports and just having sports. But that's a whole nother topic. I think it is so stupid because there's more than two genders to try to squeeze everyone into these two boxes. You're a man or you're a woman and we're trying to police those edges to decide who's man enough and who's woman enough. Uh, it's 2022. There's uh, hundreds of genders. We cannot create a box for everyone, especially not two. We're still trying to squeeze everyone into two two boxes. We need hundreds of boxes. Get rid of these gendered labels. Just let people be people. Everyone can go to school where they go to school. Everyone can play on whatever sports team they want. And the better people make the team, period. But I'm not a superintendent. I'm not in charge of all of that. It is not on my shoulders. But that would be the mental health perspective. The way we're doing it now is not a mental health perspective. We need to stop segregating children. That's part of the problem. And we especially do that with things like sex ed. And that's even messier. Because that is, that is when they need to get comfortable talking about and hearing about with each other and asking each other questions and learning how to talk about these things. Otherwise, we wait until they're on a date or sex is on the table and we think that they magically are going to understand and have the confidence and, confident, confidence and comfort to do this. And they don't and they won't and they can't. And we have to get better about that. All right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. Bam, bam, bam. You got a question for us? Put it in there. Always anonymous, always confidential. Whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be too. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, drop deeper into, let us know. Past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. But don't go anywhere, y'all. We're going to keep talking about how to dismantle rape culture. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm adopted. My birth mom was on a drug, was on drug, uh, my, bir- uh, my birth mom was on drugs with my brother and I, and we ended up being taken away at a really young age. Heartbreaking. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I felt that. Uh, we're both fully functioning adults, have jobs, homes. We're doing great. Uh, my entire life, I've stayed away from drugs. Alcohol, I'm okay with because I know my limits and I make sure that I'm surrounded by good people if I do decide to drink. However, recently, my friends have been talking about how they want to take a trip and do some drugs, mostly mushrooms. I've stayed away my whole life due to the fear of becoming dependent because it's in my blood. Guess my question to you is, is that even a real thing? Am I more susceptible knowing that my mom and dad were addicts? Um, can you even get addicted to things like mushrooms? Um, so this is this is the evolving theory on addiction. 
Uh, we see it as something that's an attachment injury. We know that the gateway to drug use and addiction is trauma. Um, so it's, so no, it's not in your blood, uh, just because a family member has, uh, had trauma and attachment issues and has turned to drugs and alcohol as a way to cope. That doesn't mean that that will be what you'll choose to do. And the reason why we have a lot of family members that might have addiction issues, uh, and their parents as well, is it's more born out of the fact that those parents still weren't able to do the healing work and stop the intergenerational transmission of faulty coping mechanisms and dysregulation and attachment issues. And that's why it's getting perpetuated in families. It's not that it's genetic. The genetic issue might lead to some behavioral stuff that again leads to relational insecurity, um, dysregulation, and again, we turn to drugs and alcohol to cope, but sometimes they turn to other things to cope or they have post-traumatic growth and they grow beyond. So my point is, is we know addiction is not a disease. Um, it is not necessarily genetic in the way that people see it to be. It's resolved if, uh, you know, parents that had addiction issues really do the work, heal their attachment stuff, you know, raise children that have better coping mechanisms, understand how to regulate and see relationships as a source of safety so that they turn to people and healthier things as a result, instead of, I should say, turning to drugs, alcohol, um, or whatever else might feel kind of problematic. All that to say, if you're a high functioning person, um, and you have better coping mechanisms, of course, you could theoretically go to the desert and in a safe context, checking the drugs quality, making sure you're looking out for yourselves. Of course you could use, and the psychedelics tend to not be something that we see a lot of addiction around. Um, that doesn't mean someone can't become psychologically, emotionally dependent on something. They can become mostly psychologically dependent on anything. Uh, but in the context of what I'm hearing, it theoretically seems as though all should be okay. Um, it's not, there's no such thing as like once is something, always is something because everything's more nuanced and, com and complex than that. And if you've, you know, found other coping mechanisms and you're not dysregulated, um, and drugs and alcohol aren't something that operates in that way for you, then yes. Um, so I'm not signing off on anything. <laughs> this is just, you know what I mean? You have to talk to your own healthcare professionals, your own therapist to make all these decisions for yourself. But theoretically speaking, um, all, all should be okay. Um, and that's a complicated thing. And I don't always know that it's, I, I don't think it's always worth the risk. And that's a personal decision. Um, I have worked with clients that, you know, again, once resolving trauma and their attachment issues have been able to then start drinking or using drugs like an adult. Cause remember 90% of people that use drugs and alcohol do not have a problem. It's only about 10% of the people that would meet what we call the criteria for addiction. And again, those are people who have unresolved trauma, which is the gateway to drugs, uh, which is the gateway to addiction. Marijuana is not, we used to think things like that. It's trauma. And if you've done the trauma work and the, and the attachment work, then we have better coping mechanisms and we can have a healthier relationship. But I don't always think it's worth the risk because what we're also up against is that drugs and alcohol really take our executive functioning offline and they put us into a, a mental state that doesn't allow us to have our judgment and our executive functioning and boundaries intact. So you're taking something that removes what it is that helps you keep yourself safe judgment and executive functioning, decision-making, impulse control and boundaries. So we always will expect when under the influence of something that you will be under the influence of something and not really connected to your higher self. So that though doesn't mean that if something happens, it's problematic that it was a result of addiction, it might've been the outcome of having been under the influence of something, but healthy adults don't keep taking something if while under the influence, it leads to problems. They realize it's not worth it. I can live a great life without drugs or alcohol. So it's complicated. All right, we got to 
we gotta we'll be back you stick around y'all you're listening to love lion with dr chris on channel q and odyssey stick around all right y'all we are back and we're talking tonight about rape culture how to dismantle rape culture because it is sexual assault awareness month so we are hitting it hard and i was opening the show by talking about the fact that it is something we need to start young with our children teaching them to say no to certain kinds of touch, letting them know that they can always tell someone no, that there are no exceptions, letting them be collaborators in deciding when they're touched, where they're touched, how they're touched, giving them options. You don't have to hug someone hello if you don't want to. You can shake their hand. You can even maybe just lean back and wave. Um, also talk about getting rid of all these gender norms and more importantly, not segregating children out by these genders, which keeps them unaware of how to interact with others. We should have everyone blended, mixed together, friends of all different genders, races, sexual orientations, and gender expressions so that they have familiarity. They see the similarities, they see the differences, they understand how to interact. Confidence is built. And then we were kind of, uh, we kind of, right before the break, ended on the whole idea of, you know, sex ed. Sex ed is not even comprehensive. A lot of the sex ed we have is centered around parental anxiety. It's about making the parents comfortable. The parents are weighing in on what we're talking about versus saying, uh, education's about truth. We're going to talk about what really is and what really is going on, age appropriate, but we're going to talk truth. That's what it should be. The kids should be determining what's discussed based on what their needs are, what they're curious about. We're, but it doesn't go that way. We're serving the needs of the parents who don't need this. This isn't for them, but we want to make sure they're comfortable with what we're teaching. So we're not living in any darn reality. And a lot of the problems with sex ed is we teach it as though it's fearful. Sex is scary. We just talk about the negatives and the downsides. We don't talk about the fact that it's fun, pleasurable. We don't talk about the stages of courtship, how to deal with you know, hookup culture, uh, the dating apps. We should make sex something that's familiar and that children have confidence in. But more importantly, talking about things like consent and boundaries. A lot of adults still don't understand consent. I still, to this day, in 2022, am so disturbed that I can go to a coffee shop and watch a man, because it's men, sexual assaults are 97% men acted out against women, so the problem is men, so the solution needs to be with men. And I will still see a man uncomfortably hit on a woman she is showing very clear signs of disinterest and discomfort, and he will keep going. What is your goal? To make someone feel horrible and uncomfortable? Well, you've achieved it. It's shocking. Consent. Notice, read someone's body language. If they are not maintaining eye contact, keeping their head up, keeping the conversation going, feeling confident, shut your mouth and walk away. Leave people alone. That's usually really what it should be. Just keep your mouth shut, just leave them alone. I mean, I'm thinking specifically of this girl I saw at a coffee shop. The, the poor thing had freaking headphones on, her head down. She was writing stuff. And the guy wouldn't give her, give her a break. That is not the display of someone who's interested in being engaged by anyone, but certainly not this person as she was constantly engaging and then breaking her contract. It was a mess. We got to do better. But part of doing better is us holding each other accountable. So guys, if you see your male friend acting inappropriately, call it out because consent should be enthusiastic, meaning that you, I want people to want to be wanted. If someone doesn't seem to want you, let it go, move on. We are not chasing people. We are not courting them and going after them. We are honoring their initial response. If you ask someone out and they say, no, thank you, or they look uncomfortable, let it go and move on. Don't keep pushing. Don't keep trying. Don't show up at their door with flowers. Move on. Let it go. We are honoring boundaries. We have to understand consent. And we don't. And consent can be revoked at any time. 
Because it's first off, it's informed consent. The person can only consent to sex if they understand what's going to happen. And number two, at any moment, at any point, it doesn't matter what we're doing, what our genitals are doing, how naked we are, we aren't. If someone says, I don't want to do this anymore, then it stops. There's no such thing as we've, you know, we've gone too far to stop now. No, because the whole purpose of sex is fun. So track your freaking friends. If your friends are acting inappropriately and making people uncomfortable, shut it down. Also, shut down sexist, misogynist jokes. That is level one. When we make it okay to talk problematically and negatively and poorly about someone, that is how we start to dehumanize that someone. So if we're putting down women and talking poorly about them, that is us dehumanizing them, which then makes it easier to go to step two, which is to not feel like they deserve respect or care. Step one is the jokes. And anything that harms is harmful. And saying, but it's a joke, which is an arbitrary designation and label that you can apply to whatever, doesn't make harm less harmful. I don't care if you're a comedian. I don't care if it's a joke. I don't care. Harm is harm and it needs to stop. No one has a pass. And there's some people that still think, oh, well, that's what comedians do. That is not a real thing. We've made up the job of comedian. And as every comedian I've ever worked with, and I'm friends with some of the most famous top comedians because I know them from my own life, I've dated them, or they've been on my show, they all agree that funny comedians don't harm or oppress people. It's the lazy ones that go for those jokes. So like, do better, but we need to hold each other accountable. Because again, as I keep saying, the foundation is when we start mocking and putting down because that's the start of that dehumanizing process, which then removes this responsibility that we think we have to caretaking them and respecting them. Um, All right, coming up next, uh, we're gonna keep talking about this because this is something we still have a lot of work to do. I I could probably talk about this uh, once a week. Uh, When we come back, we're gonna keep looking at what are the things that cause and create rape culture and sexual assaults because that's what's happening this month is it's Sexual Assault Awareness Month, so we can all do better. Stick around. Don't go anywhere, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we are back. And uh, uh, talking about, we were talking about sex ed before the break. Um, we were also talking about the use of language and jokes and how language and jokes normalize contempt normalize dehumanization, normalize violence, or quite the opposite. And we need to be moving towards more of an ethic of care and respect. Um, You know, again, we still really determine someone's worth based on what they're wearing, how they look to us. Um, We still have these vertical power structures where we think certain people are more worthy of respect than others. And those are all some of these systems that are part of upholding and strengthening rape culture and sexual assault. And uh, 97% of sexual assaults are at the hands of man, uh, a man. And so that's where the work has to begin is why are men raping? Why are men sexually assaulting? How do we stop them? And it, the work doesn't fall on the victims to act different, dress different, or do anything different. They shouldn't have to ask us to treat them better. So as a man, I'm doing my part by calling out other men and saying that joke isn't funny. That's dehumanizing. That's part of rape culture. Or yes, treat that person with respect because they're a human being. Or gender norms are stupid and are very violent in terms of mental health. Or ask someone before you touch them. I mean, listen, I've had uh, boundary violations, but the smallest, most minor forms. And I know how hard and uncomfortable that was on me. I can't even imagine what it's like to have to deal with them pretty much every single day. So I'm scattered throughout the day, um, ongoing with no end in sight. Uh, but I have, I, I almost, I, I have the littlest shreddest of an understanding of what that's like. And that was enough for me to understand that this is not something I could imagine living with inconsistently. 
Um, and that's why when we talk about consent, it's gotta be consent plus compassion. Someone saying yes to something isn't enough for a healthy, healthy person. Healthy people want someone to enthusiastically want to be a part of something, not doing it because they feel pressured or they don't think they have the, the right or the power to say no or whatever else might be the situation. So we want someone to say yes, but we also wanna look at the impacts it's gonna have on them. Is what is what we are about to do gonna have a positive impact on this person? Because that has to be part of it. An ethic of care, caring about how we impact people. And that's left out of that conversation all the time. Um, cat calling, touching, um, how we judge people. Again, those should be things that make people feel better. And cat calling is very different from a compliment. A compliment is something that someone's open to, wanting, and makes them smile and feel good. Often that's not what I'm seeing happen when people are sexualizing, objectifying, cat calling. That person often looks very uncomfortable because of when it's happening, where it's happening, whether or not they know someone. So just keep asking yourselves, where's empathy? Like, does this person seem to be comfortable with me engaging them? Does this person seem to be comfortable with the conversation that's being had? Like all of those pieces are kind of what we're talking about. And all of those pieces are what are part of the solution. Um, so we're not, it's not just about a yes or a no. We want the person we're engaging romantically or sexually to truly really want to be there. Um, and I don't see enough of that. I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned when I see someone showing obvious signs of discomfort or disinterest and the other person still pushing and still going. It is so, so, so strange. And part of all of this work is also getting away from the victim blaming. Um, saying that because of what someone looks like or what they were wearing, uh, that it was okay or it was what they're wanting or even sadly implying that it's what they deserved. And so we really do need to move towards more of a zero tolerance for that. But again, men, we need to hold each other accountable and be like, yo, bro, that is not cool. Don't talk like that to her. Or like, yo, dude, I'm going to stop you. She's uncomfortable. That is unacceptable. Like call each other out. Be that social network that has decided that we're going to help each other be better than this. And I say that to gay men as well, because even though gay men might not be the ones that are physically or sexually assaulting women, the gay community is really great at still upholding some sexism and misogyny by saying ooh and gross to talking about vaginas or sex with women and can have their own versions of this sexism that's kept alive. Like let's let those, let's let those end as well. And like really work on respect and care, uh, care. Zero tolerance is such an important, important word. Um, but to do that, we have to really understand all of this. And so there's such small versions of this female genital mutilation, uh, child marriage, um, a lot of the, the school dress codes, um, uh, uh, as though women's bodies are dangerous and they need to cover up because men can't control themselves. If men can't control themselves around a woman being dressed very scantily, then that man is not safe enough to leave the house. So if schools really believe that men can't focus or control themselves, if a girl's wearing a tube top, that kid isn't safe enough to leave the house because he lacks empathy, impulse control, and boundaries. And they're gonna, that's going to come out in another way. So let's take him home and give him a few things to read, or the school needs to step it up and do better. But that's victim blaming to say girls have to dress a certain way so boys aren't sexually assaulting. Like you're putting the responsibility on the wrong person and you're not helping men learn how to deal with their impulses and their arousal.
And that's where we see a lot of sexual assaults. Men haven't been trained that just because you're turned on by something doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. We can carry our arousal with us. We don't need to release. That is not a real thing. You will not die. You will not explode. We have to learn how to carry arousal with us because of empathy and boundaries and appropriateness. So that's part of it. That's part of it. We all have little pieces. So I want everyone as I'm talking to hear where their work is in this topic. We also have to start listening to survivors. There's a lot that goes on. We have to listen to their stories. Um, We don't want to question why they might have not left or reported it or done anything. That's going in 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 the opposite direction. It should start with, I believe you, I hear you, how can I help you? Not breaking down what they should do differently next time or what they did that was wrong. That is the wrong direction. We're not, we're not trying, we're not trying to go in that route. Um, all right, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to kind of finish up our discussion on this a couple more key points that I think are very important and necessary to get to. Um, and they'll be closing out with a DM. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our love line, IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit circle back to past episodes of the show. We're over at, we are Scroll down, look for love line and click on it. Um, yeah, stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, so we're back and we're just kind of finishing up our discussion on sexual assault, uh, what causes it, how we can solve it. Just talking about compassion, talking about care, talking about believing victims, not uh, further victimizing by saying, oh, we should have done this. You shouldn't have done that. That's what you need to do next time. Uh, hey, that is the wrong direction. How about I hear you? I believe you. How can I help you? How about you know then saying I need to go out and be a better ally, hold men accountable. Men are the ones at the hands of 97% of assaults. Um, <clears throat> that goes into the next one. Stop laughing at jokes that are misogynistic or sexist. Again, that leads to really disrespecting and dehumanizing. Don't laugh at things like rape jokes. Um, they really make light of and illegitimize sexual violence, makes it hard for victims to speak up. And again, jokes and humor normalizes. Uh, we don't want this to be normal. We want it to be something that we are kept uncomfortable with. <laughs> we don't ever want to get that familiar with it. Um, and then it moves into not being a passive bystander. I keep saying, men, hold each other accountable. Let's get involved. Let's stick up for people. Um, one in three women worldwide experience abuse. One in three. This is common. And we might witness it. We might be a bystander. So yeah, assess for your own safety before you get in. But people need help. We are responsible for those around us. Um, step up and do something. Get involved. Let the person who's causing this know that you are not comfortable with what you're seeing and what they're doing is not okay. We have to educate and we have to hold people accountable. We don't want to go into silence because silence is basically a form of support. And victims aren't always people that are in a position of confidence, understanding boundaries, or able to advocate for themselves. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Um, So step in and handle that. But also one of the things that came out of a lot of the research I've done over the years on this is that cultures that are more sex positive have lower rates of things like teen pregnancy, STDs and STIs, but also lower rates of sexual assaults because they have more familiarity and confidence around sex, around what they like, around setting boundaries, around courtship. They have better understanding around consent. So cultures that talk openly about sex have awesome inclusive sex education. They give children true answers. They use the right words. That's your penis. That's your vagina. We're not saying things like down there. There's nothing wrong with talking about sex. There's nothing wrong with pleasure. Yes, it feels good when you touch yourself, but do that at home in private. Um, They have better attitudes around sex and porn. Um, it's a positive thing. 
And so we want to normalize that. We don't want to move away and keep sex phobic or anxious or negative. We have to start saying it is fun. It is something that is a, a natural, healthy thing for those that have sexuality because some people are asexual or aromantic and aren't geared towards wanting relationality or eroticism. But for those that do, the bulk of us, there's nothing wrong with it. And here's how you best approach it. Positive, not just the fear tactics about pregnancy and STDs and all that. No, some of the positives and the benefits, intimacy, pleasure, joy, connection, relationality. That's a part of it too. We have to keep these conversations going. Um, and so there's all these other threads like racism is woven in there, um, sexism, homophobia, all of those are intersecting systems that keep this big ball in the air. Because what it really comes down to is if we can have an ethic of care and respect for everyone, similar and different, well, that's part of the solution. Because um, all forms of oppression support themselves and other ones. It's a larger conversation for another time, but, but it does. Um, some great articles out there if you want to look at that. But it is very gendered. And that's why I keep saying it's a male issue. Men's are, men are the ones that are causing 97% of these assaults. And so it is on the shoulders of men to hold themselves and each other accountable and to learn where they've done wrong and learn how to do better. Um, speaking up. Wanting more than just a, a yes. Wanting someone to want to be there. Wanting someone to be comfortable that they're being courted um, or pursued. And all this starts in our younger years. And we want to work on bringing that into the new generation of adults. Um, even things like virginity we have to get rid of, as though something's lost, as though you're a different person, usually less of a person. We still slut shame, um, all sorts of that stuff. So we're moving beyond that. But, you know, remember, we want to first start by looking at ourselves. And that's a really hard thing to interrogate, to, to look at yourself and say, what might I be doing that is part of upholding misogyny, sexism, rape culture? How do I ignore consent? Um, how might I have harmed or continue to harm? How can I be a better ally? Am I holding those around me accountable? Am I believing victims? Um, those, that's all part of the work. And we really want to take some time to assess not just those around us, but always ourselves first and pick a thread of one of the things I've talked about and say, I'm really going to start there. Whatever that might mean, teaching my children or the children around me about boundaries and, 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 and right to body autonomy and telling people no. Is it going to be about holding the men around me accountable? Is it about me not supporting uh, sexist jokes and rape jokes? Is it going to be about getting better educated on rape culture and sexual assault in general? Um, how can I get involved to be a part of this? And it's something that I want to see more men doing because, again, we're the perpetrators of this. And I'm holding space for the fact that men can be victims as well at the hands of another man or the hands of a woman. That is about, um, depending on the stat you look at, three to 7% of the cases, they, res they deserve care, they deserve respect. But part of the work I'm talking about is, is still the same work. Believe victims, get rid of sexism, get rid of the jokes, make it safer for people to s step up and speak, uh, body autonomy, more sex positivity. Those are global solutions. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to drop into some DMs. So uh, drop some DMs for us. And if you want to check out past episodes, go to wearechannelq.com. We'll be right back. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you've got a question for us, topic you want us to cover, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Isabella. And I'm noticing, sorry, I'm noticing that my friend Allie is super insecure. Long short story, long story short, sorry. <laughs> Isabella, uh, uh, sorry, I'm reading this completely wild. Uh, my name is Isabella, noticing my friend Allie is super insecure. Long story short, Allie is a lesbian that has a long history of dating straight women. She'll go after women who have boyfriends or only had boyfriends in the past, get them to date her, and then it ends up not working out and they go back to dating men. (laughs) While sexuality is fluid, and I understand this, she has a pattern. (laughs) She's recently met a new girl who has only dated men in the past, but this relationship seems to be really different. They're constantly fighting about men looking at the new girl. She accuses her of staring at guys too when they're out, staring too long. And the other day, a male barista was talking to the group of us. We walked outside. This goes on and on. Um, Let me get to the the question. Um, I feel like she keeps putting herself in these positions to date women who tend to lean towards men. I also feel like she needs to stop putting her insecurities on her girlfriend. Um, How can I tell her all this but nicely? So that's your question. How do I tell her this? Um, I don't think you do. I say this all love my heart. You mind your business uh, because it doesn't seem like your friend's open to hearing more. That would be the best I can give you is to say to your friend, hey, I noticed you're having some difficulties with your girlfriend and I sometimes see some patterns. Are you open to me sharing with you what I see? You say it very lovingly like that. And if they say no, then the answer is no. And you move on with your life and you love your friend anyway, because friends are allowed to make mistakes and be difficult at times because nothing your friend is doing is negatively impacting you. Nothing your friend is doing is toxic for you. Nothing your friend is doing is inherently toxic for them either. It's just that they make their life maybe a little more complicated than you think it should be, but this might be where they're at in their journey. So you have to kind of let go and let be. Um, Because what you're also kind of saying is, I'm not comfortable watching them do this. And instead of me learning how to let go and let them live their life, I'd rather them change what they're doing and stop triggering me so I don't have to settle myself down. So I want to change them. And it's like, no, you got to change yourself. You have to make peace and accept that this is who they are and how they move through the world. Again, unless when you say to them, are you open to hearing more? Their response is maybe, sure, tell me. And then you can lovingly be like, hey, I see a pattern. And then you kind of bring in what you said. I think you put yourself in these situations by not dating lesbians. And then you could also say, um, be kinder to your partner. You know, whatever insecurities come up are for you to work on. Are, you know, when we're triggered, 
that shows us where our work is. The concept of being triggered isn't for us to point the finger at who triggered us or what triggered us and say, don't do that. It's for us to go, wow, that wound obviously exists because when that person did or said that thing, I felt something and I have to work on that. And so you're also being given an opportunity to learn how to let your friends live their own lives and how to let go and how to not do what some people might call a little codependent. I don't use that word, but I think that's where some people would kind of apply that you're over, over managing someone else. You know, you're, you're taking too much responsibility because again, this happens. Um, but theoretically speaking, I don't know what's going on with your friend. I'd have to sit down and do more of an intake and an assessment to understand why they might, if your theory is correct, potentially always be going after someone who isn't um, really identifying or interested in being with women. It might be people who are curious or open to trying it. Um, I don't know. Because remember, there is a distinction between sexual orientation and romantic orientation. And these women might be sexually bi or fluid and down for sex with all genders, but they might be only oriented romantically towards men. And that's why your friend is never able to pull it off because these women don't want romantic relationships with other women, but they're down for sexual relationships. That might be the only clarification that's needed. And then your friend has to realize, I need to find women that like to date women, not just women that want to have sex with women. So you can maybe even lovingly bring up that topic of, again, the difference between sexual orientation and relational romantic orientation, because yes, they're often two separate things. For most of us, they're similar and aligned. And that's why we don't see them as two separate processes, but they are. See, we learn something every day, but um, yeah, mind your business. <laughs> Lovingly, that's my answer. Let your friend be where they are, you know? All right, y'all, if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs. Always happy to hear from you. Want to check out past episodes? Go over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Uh, spend the rest of the night though, focusing on pleasure, build in some joy and pleasure, whatever it is. It's going to put a smile on your face, tons of rest and self-care. We're working enough and, uh, join us tomorrow. We'll be back more to come. All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. Enjoy the rest of your night. See you. Good night. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.